podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang, as we roll into week two of the 2020 NFL season preview show. Coming your way to terrific guests to get you set for this weekend's action. Asmir Begovic dropping by a little bit later on. There is no doubt we're going to be talking about his beloved New England Patriots and what a start for Cam Newton. Tom Brady, remember, Asmir still flying the Brady flag despite the fact he has flown the nest. So interested to see what he makes of the early stages of Brady in Tampa. So Asmir uh, dropping by a little bit later on. Ben Isaacs leading us off, though, one of our regulars, one of the all-pro lineup here on the show. Deep diving into some of the big games this weekend. Let's say hi. Betty from the block. Welcome back to the show, man. Um, you must be a happy camper right now because the Chicago Bears are heading to the Super Bowl, right? Oh, I was never in doubt. Um, <laughs> absolutely spectacular win. Um, and this is just the, the first of 16 regular season wins. And I'm excited to see who the Bears beat in the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs have got a good chance of getting there and losing to the Bears. Mitch for MVP starts right here. Hey, in a, in a twist of fate, I'm pretty sure you were on our week two show last year, right? I'm pretty sure you were because we were talking about hot takes. If you go 0-2, you're not yep. going to play yep. We uh, we established beyond all reasonable doubt that 0-2 is worse than <laughs> 1-1 and and even better than both of them is 2-0. and so this is, this is the kind of intel and insight we have you on the show for Ben Isaacs. Uh, mm. Frank, it's great to have you back. It's great to have football back. We're going to get into week two and preview the game shortly. I've saved a few for Asmir. I hope you don't mind. Obviously, his Patriots, we're going to, going to let him talk Turkey and Brady as well. Uh, given the fact Asmir admitted on this show that he had bought a Brady Tampa Bay jersey within hours of, of the uh, move happening. So uh, a, a couple saved uh, for today. Yeah, I, I think we've got to let him talk Patriots and Patriots South, a.k.a. the boss. <laughs> oh, harsh. So three or four <laughs> games, we're going to deep dive. Then we're going to pick the rest, uh, as I say, saving one or two uh, for Big Asmir. Before we do, let's get into some key news uh, that has broken in the last 24 hours or so, we're recording this on Thursday, ahead of Thursday Night Football, incidentally. We're going to drop uh, some content on our social channels about the Battle of Ohio, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, on Friday, as you're listening to this, you should be dropping into your podcast on Friday morning as well. Uh, the 2021 Hall of Fame nominees announced, Ben. Uh, do you want the good news or the bad news? Oh, give, give me the good news first. Well, it's got all the logical uh, options in there. Peyton Manning, Megatron, Donald Driver. Great to see Donald Driver in there. Uh, Jared Mayo in there. This has uh, got me feeling my age a little bit, Ben, because I remember heading to Foxborough for a preseason filming, uh, filming gig with Carlson back in the day, back in the Channel 5 days. And all the buzz at Foxborough from all the beat writers was, we've got this terrific first round pick called Jared Mayo. <laughs> he's, now, he's now eligible for the Hall of Fame. That's how, that's how old we're getting. Um, so that's the good news. The bad news, Ben, no call up for you yet. Not in this no, point. not yet, but I, I just don't think I've been retired from the game long enough. I think yeah. it, I'll get there eventually, but I'm, you know, I'm just still so young, mm. um, or at least I can play young, that, um, that I'm, not, I'm not on those lists yet. And obviously, Jay Cutler not on the list yet, but sure. again, time will come, surely. That God Erlach is already in, right? Otherwise, given what he's been up to this summer, he'd probably be uh, no chance. Um, can he be thrown out of the Hall of Fame? That's, uh, that's something I need to think about. Anyway, all right. Oh. So, um, any, uh, no real surprises here. Always interesting when you see the long list, it gets whittled down, of course. And all those players that you know, well, it's that bittersweet feeling that they get the nod. They're on that long list. That is a mark of respect, but they haven't got 
a, a cat's chance in hell of, of making Canton in the end. Yeah, I, I, it's always fun looking and seeing some of those players and it is very much kind of then the hall of very good. Mm. You know, there was a time when Drew Bledsoe was considered to, to be the best Patriots quarterback of all time. And no one at that point would have thought, here's a hall of fame player. And obviously no one would have thought that uh, his backup was going to become the greatest of all time. But yeah, you see the likes of Drew Bledsoe on, then you think, yeah, good luck, Drew. Um, enjoy didn't your Bledsoe, place. In, didn't Bledsoe enjoy, say that he didn't think Brady was ever going to start a game in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- Drew Bledsoe um, ended up being a very good mentor for Tom Brady and, you know, helped him a little bit along the way. But that may end up being his greatest contribution that, mm. uh, that his injury just gave way to Tom Brady. So, Bledsoe's not getting in. He deserves his place in the Patriots Hall of Fame. Mm. He's not going to Canton. There's one name you are particularly delighted to see. Oh, Peanut Tillman. I've, I've even got a T-shirt, which I now wish I was wearing, that has, uh, says Peanut Punch, which was, uh, <laughs> which was put out by his, uh, by his charity. Um, I'm, you, know, you don't always know who's voting for the Hall of Fame uh, members, but I think he will find out, seeing as he does actually work for the FBI now. So I wouldn't want to what? be someone. Yeah, yeah, he works for the FBI now. So I wouldn't want to be a voter who leaves who leaves him off my ballot because he will find you. He will know this, <laughs> and he will probably punch a ballot out of your hand. I'm worried he's listening to this show right now, Ben. I'm sure it. he listens to everything I do. So well, that's a fair yeah. point. Actually, you've been bigging him up, so I think we're fine. I think mm. I think we've established that. So go peanut for the Hall of Fame. First ballot. I'm calling yeah. it right here. Peanut, if you're listening, uh, we're on your side. <laughs> All right. So uh, as that, uh, that will develop, of course, and uh, as the list gets whittled down and then, and then down again, we will, of course, be reporting on it as and when that breaks. Mo Sanu signing for the Niners. Interesting development here. Listeners to the show will know him. I'm a big Mo Sanu fan and was surprised that things didn't work out for him in Foxborough. He's a, he's a wily vet. He's a smart player. I figured he's exactly the kind of receiver that have worked, uh, would have worked in a, a McDaniels-Brady offense. He didn't. Didn't stick around much longer after Brady exited stage uh, left, but he's landed on his feet. Of course, the uh, 49ers a little bit banged up offensively. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later on in uh, the show. Debo Samuel out. Brandon Ayuk, their rookie, should be back this Sunday, but they... Uh, uh, strengthening their hand with the uh, departure of Emmanuel Sanders as well, of course, in the offseason. What do you make of Mo Sanu? I think, yeah, I think that's a great pickup. I think the fact he was available is um, a real stroke of luck for the 49ers. You need someone who can hit the ground running at this point. He's played under Kyle Shanahan before when he was in Atlanta. It's, it's great for the 49ers because they have so many problems. I don't think anyone, as in, in, in injuries, I don't think anyone's got as many key injuries as they do. And Garoppolo's got to have someone to throw the ball to. So Sanu fits the bill. Really happy for him because he's not someone who should be sitting out the NFL season. When you say they've got so many problems, are we going up to 99? <laughs> <laughs> well i've got to get my hip-hop reference in seeing as you're on betty boy yeah uh, 99 problems but a coach ain't one a coach i like it i like it get that printed up along with your peanut tillman <laughs> t-shirts you could uh, i spot a sideline right uh one more a bit of news then we'll get into our previews uh, seeing as you are a resident college expert on the nat Coombe show the big 10 season starting officially october 23rd that must put I'm guessing a little bit of a smile on your face. Yeah, I mean, the big thing here is the daily testing. Um, you know, what will it mean for players who've declared early and already have an agent, though? Because some, some players who realize that, you know, if you're at Ohio State and you're not going to play, you might get your agent, get ready for the draft. And now, in theory, if you've ever signed with an agent, you can never play college football again. Right. So hopefully something can be worked out because this is an exceptional uh, They'll have situation. an exception for that, surely. 
Well, I mean, currently there isn't, but obviously we're in uncharted territory. We've never had, we've never had to deal with this situation before. So mm. the NCAA is going to have to think on its feet. The Big Ten will have felt pressure from parents, players, and other leagues. But make no mistake, they wanted to play football this autumn. You know, there's there's been talk as if the oh they don't they don't care they you know they don't take football seriously. Does anyone think the likes of Michigan or Penn State? doesn't care about playing football it's worth so much money to all of them mm. it's great that they're coming back we'll see if the pac 12 can do it i i remember speaking to you a couple of months ago and you asked me how confident i was the nfl season would start on time as normal and whether college football would and i was a hundred percent positive the nfl week one would start as normal mm. and i had absolutely no faith that college football would be able to and obviously college football is still in a state of flux it's mm. a much more complicated situation than the nfl where you can just keep these 32 teams following the same sort of rules glad to see the big 10 back but it's going to be hard for any of those teams to make the national championship because they won't get to play as many games as the other conferences all right october 23rd is the projected start date for the big 10 right ben let's get down to some nfl business previewing this weekend's action we're going to pick a handful of games that we're going to deep dive a little bit more into a little bit more detail on and then we're going to rattle through the rest of the slate now uh, when we do that we're going to pick our winners and harry the producer and you know how tough harry can be uh uncompromising some might say uh, has given us a 10 second time limit for each of those so we're going to bounce through those 10 seconds on each we're confident he can count to 10 Mm, not confident, not confident. But he does have a computer in front of him, possibly some kind of stopwatch, so we should, should be okay. All right, then, let's get down to business. Let's start Texans-Ravens, because it is um, an intriguing matchup if there is, nevertheless, a, a strong favorite in it. I mean, talk about brutal opening schedule for the Texans there. The Chiefs uh, on opening night, of course. Baltimore this weekend, the Steelers next weekend. Ben, if they go 0-3, is Bill O'Brien cooked? Um. I mean, he might be because of the, the strange things that have happened in the offseason that he's mm. signed off on. You know, I mean, I felt he'd put himself on the hot seat even before the season kicked off. Um, the, the Texans start to the season, their first seven games before they hit the bye week is absolutely ridiculous. It's easy for them to be something like two and five. Right. And their season will be in effect over. So they're under real pressure this week, you know, putting aside the, the joke about, yeah, 0-2 is bad. The thing is for the Texans, it's not like, oh, okay, well, they can get those games back in the next few weeks. It's going to be so difficult. Mm. And facing the Ravens, the Ravens are obviously one of the most exciting teams to watch. If you love aggressive defense, which I do, if you like improvisational athletic quarterbacks, which I do, then the Ravens are an absolute dream to watch. I think Lamar, statistically or on a highlight reel point of view, I think he might have a less spectacular season this year than last, but he's growing as a leader and he's improving his decision-making so much. Deshaun Watson is closer to being the finished article, if you like, but he's already missing DeAndre Hopkins. And the last thing he needs is to face this Ravens defense, and in particular, the secondary, which would absolutely stunning against the Browns. We still don't know what to make of the Browns, do we ever, but... The, the Ravens, the way, that they, the way that they just kind of descended on each, each, time there was, each, each time there was a completion, it felt like there were not many completions. They were just hitting those receivers so hard. Mm. That's going to be a problem for the Texans. I think the Ravens are going to pound the ball with the running backs and let Lamar exploit the holes in the secondary when they appear, which they will appear. So the Texans will be absolutely reeling if they lose. This is... This is I, you, can't say, you can't say must win at this point of the season, but this is absolutely massive and it's going to be a real struggle. It's got to be, you've got to look as well at the, the, the manner of uh, if they are 
beaten the manner of defeat as well. I mean, if they put up a fight, they keep it close, they keep it competitive, they get something going offensively, that is going to be an altogether different story if they're blown out of the water. And then they've got the Steelers who are looking decent. We'll get into them later on in a bit week three. Then, yeah, conceivably 0-3. And as you say, uh, it is uh, downhill from there realistically. Let's talk a bit about how they can make it competitive then. Let's look at Houston's defense against this, this brilliant Baltimore offense. Uh, Lamar, incidentally, averaged a league high 11 yards per attempt and a passer rating of 152.1. That was the Browns. I get it. But nevertheless, if there are uh, any, if there's still anyone out there that says, oh, he's great with his legs, but I don't really know about his arm, just, just take a look at some of that tape, please. And we know this Houston secondary isn't particularly strong. Uh, and it's even more terrifying, Ben, when you consider that Baltimore ran all over him last season, that 256 yards they had on the ground in that 41-7 win. And I know that you've got to take uh, with a little pinch of salt and asterisks against, well, this happened last year because... There are personnel changes. It's not a like-for-like comparison. But by and large, this Baltimore offense is intact. In fact, on the ground, J.K. Dobbins has only made them even stronger on the ground. So it looks realistically like the Texans are going to have to have eight in the box a lot of the time. They're going to have to, right? Yeah. Uh, With a weak secondary, it doesn't look at all promising that they're going to get any kind of uh, serious momentum stoppages going on here. J.J., what? not particularly remarkable in week one, obviously need to step up as the playmaker. Zach Cunningham had a a better game in in week one. Is there any way you can see Houston keeping it competitive defensively against this Baltimore side? If they can somehow stop the run on a regular basis and force Lamar Jackson into making throws, which are not optimal Mm. and hope that there's hope that there's enough incompletions that you're able to get three and outs and then control the clock yourself. That to me is the is the only way. If they if they allow Baltimore to run anything like the way that that they ran against them last season, or the way that they ran against the Browns, then there is absolutely no chance, no chance that this can happen. And if they do stack the box, which you would expect them to do, Lamar Jackson is such an intelligent player that he will he will find those openings, and there will be big plays out of nowhere. Mm. You know, are you gonna, are you going to just leave kind of Hollywood Brown one on one on a regular basis and? and expect Lamar Jackson to not get the ball to him, it will happen. The, if, the, if the defensive line of the Texans isn't absolutely at the top of their game, then this is a potential blowout. Mm. If they are, and they manage to contain Baltimore early on before they, they, they run away with it and, and lock it down by halftime, then the offense has a chance to land a few blows. But again, they've got to get some of the old kinks ironed out, the offensive line. And... Not always on them. You know, we've talked to, together on this show about some of the sacks last season anyway on, or on Watson. Uh, in the game last year, he was sacked uh, seven times, I think. And Baltimore now have Calais Campbell in the mix as well, just to make it extra frisky. But it's the same issue against Kansas City, right? He was sacked four times, seven quarterback hits on him. So they've got to start with the fundamentals here. Whether it's all on the line, whether some of it's on Watson, either way, they've got to get... Uh, get a bit more organization and cohesion and just protect themselves a bit better. Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole team is based around Deshaun Watson and yet the Texans seem to be doing nothing to help him. Right. They don't seem to protect him on the offensive line and they don't seem to give him weapons. It's it's a waste. Um, you know, could, could we see a situation where we we look back at Deshaun Watson's career and think there was so much promise there, but the Texans destroyed him? All right, look at positives. It feels, feels like we've been concentrating on far too many negatives for, for the Texans. David Johnson looked good. Now, of course, he was 
part of that deal that took Hopkins to Arizona and uh, part of the reason that Bill O'Brien was vilified for that deal because everybody considered David Johnson as a player way past his prime, a player that had fallen off the cliff, never really going to recapture his form of a few years ago because of injury. But he looked good to me. 70, 70 yards and a touchdown. It's not always about the stat line. I think the way he was running as well. Uh, and the Ravens did give up five yards per carry on the ground to the Browns. So that is an area that they can maybe key in on the Texans and try and establish some kind of ground game. Yeah, I think David Johnson is going to be one of those players who, um, let's say he stays healthy for the entire season. There will be games where he is effective and will help them um, establish that ground game, help them control the clock and grind out some wins. And I think there'll be games where he is basically anonymous. I don't think that he's going to be kind of a 1,200-yard season wonder this year out of nowhere. I think he'll have his moments, but we might not get many times where he has two really good games in a row. He will have to really be at his, at his best because the, the defensive line of the Ravens isn't as strong as the secondary, but the secondary is, is so elite and it plays at such a high level that if Deshaun, if, if Deshaun Watson can't get anything going through the air, I don't see that David Johnson is going to be able to carry the team on his back yeah. he's not that sort of player he might have been one day but he, he isn't now yeah for sure it's not yet there's not like got henry lining up that you can think well all right they got a fighting chance if he can stack up 160 and and a couple of scores all right look deshaun and houston obviously did a bounce back game after that week one loss against kansas city uh, and to avoid that as we've established <laughs> hot take oh and two hole they're not making the playoffs they don't get it they don't get it it's got to be the ravens all the way for me ben yeah, absolutely. This this could this could be a blowout. I'm excited to watch it because I love watching the Ravens, but this could be easily over by the start of the third quarter. Okay, on to the Eagles Rams next. There's a lot of buzz about this Rams side, especially since the 49ers last week anyway looked a little bit like I did after the tequila hangover I had uh, on my friend uh, Tim Stagdo a few years ago where I had to sit in a shower for about 57 minutes the morning after just staring into space um that's that was how I can best describe the 49ers performance last week uh so uh, that inevitably has boosted the the profile and the status and the buzz around the Seahawks but also the Rams and there was a fair amount of buzz about, about both obviously but particularly the latter as a, as a sleeper contender pick going into the season are you buying into them as a contender um, I am a little bit because um, the the NFC West is absolutely brutal. I can see any one of those four teams making a good playoff run. It's it's the toughest division in football right now. Um, I really like the Rams. I really like I really like the pass rushers. They they seem to live in the Dallas backfield um, <laughs> on on Sunday yeah. night. And the thing is, is that that is the last thing that the Eagles right. can deal with right now. You know, they, the way that they were, the way they were against Washington, that, that's how, you know, that's how Dallas were against, against the Rams. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's more of an area of strength for Dallas than it is for Philadelphia. Well, Philly, so, you know, their line is, is, is banged up, right? And, and it looks like Lane Johnson will be back. That's what the, uh, that's what the word on the street is. So that will, will obviously strengthen the line because he, he's one of the best right tackles in the business, but they were decimated. And Washington, we know their front seven is, is the strongest part of that team, and it is formidable. Uh, but Carson Wentz, look at these numbers, Ben. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he was pressured on over 40% of his dropbacks. Of course, he took eight sacks, as we know. There could have been more than eight. That was twice as many as any other quarterback in the NFL last week. Johnson will strengthen things a bit, but McVay is going to be looking at this and thinking, well, you know, more of the same, please, from his defensive unit. Just get in... Uh, 
get in uh, Wentz's face again, get Aaron Donald to wreak a bit of havoc, get Brockers in the mix, and, and they're halfway there. Yeah, I mean, like I say, the way that the Rams were against the Cowboys and the way that that matches up now, the, the Eagles don't have, even, even if they are closer to full strength, which it feels like they will, they will never be on that line, mm. even if they are, they don't, have the, they don't have the run game to kind of keep that defensive line honest. I think the Rams are just going to come after Wentz all day. At some point, a decision is going to have to be made on Wentz because he just, I really feel like he's underperforming a lot. You can't blame, you can't blame him. I don't blame him. I don't blame him completely, obviously, but he, I feel like he is making too many bad decisions. He seems to just get... He seems to be more panicked by pressure now than he was earlier in his career. Maybe he's just kind of more aware of injuries now. You know, he's obviously had bad luck right. with injuries. And he would, he will not, you know, he will not relish playing against this, this Rams defensive line. They're if you were starting a franchise terrifying. tomorrow, Ben, would mm-hmm. you take Jared Goff or Carson Wentz as your starting quarterback? Oh, boy. You could only choose between those two. Okay, I would, I would choose Wentz but I wouldn't be thrilled by it necessarily. <laughs> Apparently not. But, but I mean, and the thing is, is that I don't know who Wentz is really going to throw the ball to. I, he, he does not have the playmakers around him. He's got the same situation as Deshaun Watson at the moment. Yeah. In that he is not being protected. He is not given the weapons. Yeah. He is put back there having to take these hits. And because he's the quarterback, people are looking at him like, why didn't you win the game for us? And mm. it's, you know, it, it obviously isn't all on him. You know, Jared Goff wins games and is not as talented as Carson Wentz because does not make as many things happen. But the Rams have given him weapons mm. and have given him such a great defense that he doesn't need to do as much. You know, so, like, let's talk about some of those weapons because Cam Akers, a lot of buzz about him coming into the. Uh, NFL, you must have seen a lot of him as a, a college player. It was Malcolm Brown actually who stood out against Dallas on the ground. Brown had 18 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, they're going to bleed Akers into uh, proceedings. What do you make of Akers' debut and what is your projected upside for him this season? Um, I think we're going to see a lot, of, a lot of good performances from, from Cam Akers. I think he's got a hell of an upside and I think, I think he's going to show He's going to show flashes. I don't know if we'll, you know, have him as kind of a, you know, if you, he wouldn't have him as necessarily kind of a cert starter every week in, in fantasy. Um, but he's going to be, he's going to be really good. Malcolm Brown was great against the Cowboys, but I don't think, I don't think the Rams are going to be able to run the ball like that against the Eagles. You know, that's an area of strength for mm. the Eagles. They, LA will have a hard time running the ball. I'm expecting Brown to be less of a factor, which does mean the ball will be put in Goff's hands more and he's going to be quite reliant on, I would imagine, Robert Woods because that's, that's where they're going to have to attack the Eagles and make, and make the most of the fact that I'm expecting them to get a lot of possessions because I'm expecting the, there's going to be a lot of punts from the Eagles. Mm. Miles Sanders, you mentioned getting their running game going. Uh, he should be back as well, a report suggesting that he will be fit, of course, missing last week. The Rams gave up five per carry on the ground against Dallas. So again, eerie parallels with our first game. That's probably one of the areas that the Eagles will look to, to, to exploit early on, you'd think. Yeah, I, I just feel that it's, they don't have the personnel to be able to exploit it quite as much. They, you know, the Rams aren't going to be facing Ezekiel Elliott this week mm. you know there's there's not many players as talented as him sure. but that's but that's that's going to be it if they can if they can stop the eagles on the ground i do not see the eagles doing much through the air because i think 
I think Wentz is going to have people in his face the entire time. Okay, uh, I'm picking the Rams to go two and zero. I'm picking the Rams. Yeah, I'm picking the Rams to two and zero. I think that NFC West is going to be absolutely sensational all season. On to your Chicago Bears, Ben Isaacs, taking on the New York football giants in all seriousness, we just did at the top. How important was that win for Mitch Trubisky and his career as a Chicago Bear? Um, absolutely massive. I mean, he was, he was benched at halftime by Twitter anyway. Um, and I, I put out on Twitter Sunday afternoon, I said, you know, I'm, I'm not working this afternoon. I'm going to go into full Bears mode. I said, I'm going to be very Bears and I thought I'm just going to lean into this and I was going to be as bears as I can be. So at halftime, I was saying, you know, this team is trash. Nagy needs to go. Trubisky needs to go. They need to, they need to clean house. You're polishing they, your portrait of, of uh, Mike Dicker as you're yeah. doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, 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 was, I was going through the whole gamut of emotions because for three quarters, the Bears were absolutely abysmal. And it, it, it wasn't that, oh, this is on Trubisky. This isn't like the days where the Bears might be playing well, the defense kept giving them the ball back, and Cutler would throw a stupid interception. Mm. It wasn't that. It was that Trubisky wasn't really able to make the plays. He wasn't throwing the ball that much because it was decided, okay, we're going to lean on the run. We're actually going to run the ball, which is something they barely did last season. But the defense just... Were, were inconsistent. They were unable to make enough big plays against the Detroit Lions. And the Detroit Lions looked pretty good for three quarters. Not great. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. And then finally, things started to click for the offense of the Bears. And the fact that they had been committed to the run had, I think, helped keep, had forced the Lions to sort of stay honest. And then Trubisky was able to throw three touchdown passes in the last quarter. The defense finally got a takeaway. There was a little bit of luck, but they just really stuck with it. What I think what impressed me more than anything wasn't that Trubisky threw three very difficult passes for those, for those touchdowns. I think it was the fact that the whole team seemed confident throughout and they clearly felt Trubisky is the player that gives us the best chance to win this game. You know, you've got Foles, who is one of the greatest backup quarterbacks in NFL history, mm-hmm. and he's there as your backup, and yet your coach has the confidence in you to say, do you know what? I think you are the guy who can go and win this. And what do you know? They won it. I think the, the win, like the, like the ninth, it was something like 98% chance in the fourth quarter that the Lions were going to win. And they still should have won. You know, they basically dropped a touchdown pass at the end. Right. But, but Trubisky now gets to know that, A, oh, look, I can do it. I can win a game from behind. And B, the coach has absolute confidence and faith in me to get it done. Okay. So confidence booster, no doubt. And playing the Giants is, in principle, a very winnable game. I liked what I saw from the Giants, certainly a lot of what I saw from the Giants. I think they were in many respects a little bit unlucky against a Pittsburgh side that is decent, that is balanced on, on both sides of the ball that, that I think will have, will certainly be a playoff team and I think could, could have a deep run this year if they can uh, stay fit for, for the most part, obviously, particularly Big Ben, if he can stay fit. You know, they had that big 19-play drive that Danny Dimes blew at the end, the Benny Snell fumble that Juju dived on super sharp and that, you know, nine times out of 10 could have gone the other way. I like Slayton as well. I liked him last year. He had a big game against Pittsburgh. I think he could be a big-time player for the Giants this year. And by all accounts, Danny Dimes looks composed. It looks like he is going to kick on this year. So given the level of expectation was so low for, for the New York Giants this year, I think they might surprise a few people. I don't know they're a playoff team, but I think they might 
keep it competitive. Joe Judge, one game sample size that we have seems to have added a bit more steel in that mix as well. They seem to be a, just a bit tougher and fight for things a bit more. Uh, so it's not going to be straightforward, this one. Uh, which way are you taking this based on where you think it's going to be won and lost? Saquon's a really fascinating player in this game for me. I mean, he had a, that was a bizarre game he had against Pittsburgh. Yeah, so weird. I mean, he barely got anything on the ground. I think he had one big gain. Well, I say big gain of like over over 10 yards and pretty much everything else was behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. He was catching ball, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield because he is more versatile than uh, some people give him credit for. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a strange performance. In that you just think, on that, okay, Ben, just on your point, he, he averaged minus 0.7 yards before contact per carry. Uh, that's crazy. Averaged. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is, you know, you've got to, you've got to look at the offensive line there for, for those sort of issues. I think the Giants are going to be a tough out this season. Mm. Um, I had very low expectations for them. They showed me some things against the Steelers who are very strong on defense to make me think they're trending upwards and they'll, they'll have, they'll, there'll be games where Barkley will rush for 150 yards and that will take so much pressure off the quarterback. We talked about how difficult the Texans start to the season is the bears first four games of the season are kind of the opposite they've got winnable games against teams that have either been struggling or in transition and it it gives the Bears the chance to start well and try to build on it whereas the Texans might have to come out of a hole even if they're more talented than the Bears I do see the Bears beating the Giants this week I think the defense will improve I think that Barkley Barkley is the key because the the Bears gave up plenty of yards on the ground against Mm. Uh, the Lions and particularly Adrian Peterson, Barkley can exploit that. If the, if the Giants can find those holes, then that will put them in a fantastic position. Mitch is playing well if we look at just the final quarter. So he's averaging, you know, three touchdowns per quarter. So, you know, I'm, that's what I'm kind of expecting against the Giants. Uh, but in <laughs> so all cases, for 12 touchdowns. I would think so. It. I would think so. It's on no, pace for 12 yeah. touchdowns in this game. Um, I, think, I think the Bears will win. I think the Giants are going to make it tough. I think the Bears will squeak it out, get to 2-0. and they, The Bears might even go 4-0 and and still not make the playoffs because that's when they start to hit, hit the tough games. But if I'm, if I'm a Giants fan and I see the team start 0-2, I can still look at that team and think, okay, I think things are moving in the right direction at last. Okay, I am really on the fence with this one. I think the, I think the, the Giants with the points, if, if that's uh, your kind of thing, is, is quite an intriguing play. And I might sneak him in a tease at some point uh, on Sunday. Straight up, it is a pick him really for me. I'm going to lean Giants for the reasons I just said. And just to be contrary to you, Ben, uh, because Harry's going to tot up all these picks every week and see how I fared against uh, our guests on the show. So you got asthma. It's, it's unfair already because it's, it's, it's like one of those uh, mid to late 80s WWE style tag teams where I've got to defend the belt against two people uh, yeah. because Vince McMahon has stitched me up. So that's essentially what's happened. Uh, so you're going Bears. I'm going Giants for the win. The Giants. Uh, to get uh, the win there. Right, let's rattle through something else. Now, remember, we got 10 seconds, right? Harry, the producer? Yep. Uh, Harry, the producer, I think, I think he's nodding. I think that's what that is. So <laughs> I'll go through the games. You can go first. Give the reason for in the game and then name your pick. I'll pick up off the back of it and then tee up the next one. All right, Benny, you ready okay, to roll? I'm All ready. All right, we are starting with the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Atlanta Falcons. 
I think there's going to be a lot of points, a lot of passing yards. I think the win will be probably the team that can run the ball too. And because of that, I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. Well, Dallas looking for their first win, of course, up against it injury-wise. Van der Esch out now as well. Remember, Sean Lee is out of that linebacking unit. Two, Leo Collins out. I think this really could go either way. So rather than pick, can I take the over, Harry? Am I? No, all right, okay. I'm taking the Cowboys to get their season back on track. I'm going Dallas. Right, next up, Jets Niners. San Francisco, Ben. Seven points, favorites on the road in New Jersey. They're expecting George Kittle back. Uh, as we talked earlier on, Ayuk as well, the rookie receiver, and Mo Sano, as we mentioned, in the mix. So Jimmy G has got a fairer fight compared to the one he had uh, in week one. And I don't like what I see with this Jets team. I'm not buying any of that. Uh, San Francisco for the win and back on track. Yeah, I, the 49ers are beat up and they're coming off a devastating divisional loss that did show Jimmy G's limitations. Mm-hmm. But there's just too much of a talent gap here. Even if Kittle isn't healthy, even if Ayuk doesn't play, I think this is 49ers all day. Jimmy G, said, side note, Jimmy G or Sam Darnold if you start in a franchise tomorrow? Jimmy G, I think he makes better decisions. But again, I'm still not excited about these selections. Mm, I'm Jimmy G all the way. I am, uh, as I've often said, a Jimmy G apologist. Maybe that's, oh, that's another t-shirt we could add to your <laughs> yeah. t-shirt empire. And for those who don't like him, it just says West Coast Andy Dalton. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Steelers hosting the Broncos. Which way is this one going to go? Um, the Pittsburgh defense is just too good right now. I can't imagine Drew Locke, of all people, being able to unpick that defense. I think he will be bamboozled, and I'm, I think the Broncos will be an interesting team this season, but they'll also be a team that is going to lose to the Steelers this week. I am perplexed by Drew Locke, insofar as everyone I've spoken to that watches the Broncos closely, that has skin in the game, is all in on Drew Locke. And I am yet to be convinced. Now, I haven't watched every single Drew Lock start minute by minute, but I've tried to watch a fair amount of tape because of that, because I think, really? Okay. And mm, the jury is still well and truly out. And so I said earlier, I like what the Steelers have on both sides of the ball. I really do. I, I like it for a deep run this year. They are the real deal, I think. They're going 2-0 uh, with the win. Jags at Titans. Ben, you got to love what Jacksonville did last weekend, right? you got to love the uh, energy. you got to love I, the energy. I did. I did. I mean, it was an impressive upset, and they look improved. However, these Titans look like last year's bruising Titans, which I, also, which I also like to say. I know, I know. I think this is going to be a fun game, um, but I've got to say it's Tennessee. Can I point out, uh, sacrilegious Jack Crawford in the Titans ranks these mm-hmm. days, one of Britain's finest. Uh, and in Mike Vrabel, we trust. Hey, I have been flying his bag for a while. And uh, as he as said, they're very, very unsurprisingly given who they've returned. Uh, to the most part, certainly offensively. It is more of the same. Derek Henry, 100-plus yards last week. I think he'll go go for another dime again this year, uh, this week. Uh, And I don't think the Jags will have enough to go uh, toe-to-toe. You look at the Titans and you think they'll up 21 points, 20 to 17, 19 to 17 kind of wins. So that gives, I guess, Jags optimism that they'll cover the spread and keep it close. But I think Titans will get the win in the end. What about the Lions heading to Lambeau to take on the Packers, Ben? Well, the Lions will be kicking themselves for letting the game go last week, and but they'll also be pleased that they get to play in Lambeau when it's empty, which makes mm. things very different. Do they really want to be facing a motivated quarterback like Aaron Rodgers? I mean, they couldn't even stop Trubisky when it mattered. I think Rodgers is going to have his way with them. The Lions aren't a bad team. They were mentally weak as they very often are um, under Matt Patricia for some reason. I think this is a comfortable Packers win. How carried away are we getting with Aaron Rodgers for MVP after one uh, week? Um, Quite a I, lot. I would say don't get too carried away, but mm. my God, I mean, he's, 
he's not only potentially the most gifted quarterback in NFL history, but nobody has as much spite running through his body. And that's an excellent motivator. And I love to see players who are just super salty about things. Aaron Rodgers is a heel. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Three yards, four touchdowns. Devontae Adams in today got 14 catches. That was almost as many as the other seven receivers combined. Uh, had total. <laughs> the Lions secondary's banged up. Uh, uh, Akuda, Coleman, Trufant, I uh, need to keep uh, an eye on the injury status for all three of those. They're all hamstring injuries, incidentally. So even if they do start... Mm, dangerous game, I think, for the Lions. The Packers are all the way here. So Green Bay for the win. What about the Vikings-Colts? Ugly start for, for both of these teams, Ben. But I'm still believing in Rivers. I'm still, again, everyone's wildly hysterical. Philip Rivers is done. It was a desert. Let's get Jacoby Brissett off the bench. Come on. Uh, let's just take a bit of time to breathe and give him a bit of time to bet in. Uh, the Colts, I think, will get up and running in this one because I'd really, really down on, on the Vikings for all kinds of reasons, I'm sure, that will un, uh, unravel as, uh, as entity the Vikings will as, as the season plays out. Because we're up against time here, the one thing I'd say, keep an eye on the injury status of Jack Doyle because if he doesn't start, they're very thin on the ground there. And uh, if he does, I think it just gives that comfort blanket to Rivers to get a bit more cohesion. Look good for a lot of the time, I think, despite the erratic Rivers uh, showing its head as well. I think the Colts get the win. Yeah, Rivers made a lot of mistakes. Um, I'm not expecting that to happen this time. Both teams should be very disappointed at being 0-1. These are teams that, you know, have a lot of potential. And it's going to be disastrous for one of them to be But I think the Colts are going to be the ones going 0-2. I think the Vikings are just too talented to go 0-2 right now. Two more for you. Arizona or Washington? Oh, boy. I'm really excited by this. One of these is going to be 2-0 and feel very good about themselves. Washington will have ups and downs this year, and I think this week will be a down. Arizona is good. Washington will be eventually. So it's a Cards win. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I just can't see the Washington uh, offense getting a huge amount going there, but props for them for their comeback win and the D looking formidable. That'll be a really fascinating battle. Uh, and then Monday Night Football Saints at the Raiders. Of course, Michael Thomas out uh, for the New Orleans Saints. But if there's any head coach in the business that will be able to deal with that, it's Sean Payton. Incidentally, Ben, uh, seeing as this is the show of hot takes whenever you're on, Derek Carr's hot take on Drew Brees this week. He's very accurate. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I love to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to have to look at the stats. I'm going to have to look back at the film of his career and see very if he's accurate. accurate. I, I, I can't be sure. Um, I don't quite know what to make of the Raiders. Um, I don't know how much of the week one win was kind of Carolina's lack of any sort of spark. You know, even, you know, McCaffrey had good numbers, but he didn't seem to be able to take control of the game. The Saints looked okay, but again, I'm not sure how much of that is the fact that the, the Bucks really, like the Colts, need time for their new quarterback to kind of bed in and get used to things. You know, it's obviously a very weird offseason and no preseason. And that's why the Bucks couldn't do what they wanted to do. I'm going with the upset. I'm going with the Raiders what? to win and christen their new cathedral to dirty football in Las Vegas with a victory. God, I cannot wait for the day that you and I are back in Vegas after all those years at a Raiders game. We will do it, my friend. Uh, I can't share your optimism. Much as I like the Raiders, I, I really do. I think there's a lot of good stuff happening there. And I think they are a team that has gone under the radar going into this season. Not many have given them a, a serious shot at the playoffs and I think they might be there or thereabouts but I think this is going to be tricky it's going to be a tight game and obviously Michael Thomas's mission levels it up a little bit but I don't think it's enough uh, I'm leaning Saints just just to, to get a workout Peyton will work out a win somehow but the Raiders will come out of it with credit and uh, with their heads held high and I think they've got a good positive season 
ahead, uh, as indeed we do, Ben Isaacs, with you on board as part of our all-pro lineup. It's great to catch up with you, man. At Tweets for Ben is where our listeners can pick you up on social media, and I guess you'll be doing a lot of college chat. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope that there is enough of a college season for us to, for us to do that. You know, the SEC hasn't started yet. When the SEC starts, it feels like that's when college football season has really, really started. Mm. So um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll start to see some big college games, thankfully. And in the meantime, you can just get on with that t-shirt business, right? I mean, we've got yeah, yeah, yeah. lined up. So I expect to see next time we're on a few more ideas unveiled oh, for us. Exactly. I'm going to be selling them out in the streets. You are a legend, Ben Isaacs. Good to catch up with you, man. See you soon. Cheers, Cheers guys. Bye. Lovely stuff from Ben. As I said, a regular on the show. So he will be back very, very soon. You can count on it, right? Let's move things swiftly along. A couple of big games we didn't get into with Ben because we're saving them up for our next guest, the brilliant Asmir Begovic. Asmir, welcome back to the show, bud. How are you? Well, uh, Nat, it's great. Great to be back. Um, couldn't be happier for football season to be back underway. So I'm doing good, though. I'm doing good. How are you? You are, man. You know, first things first, before we talk, before we talk NFL, let's talk Asmir Begovic going all Jeter clutch in the penalty <laughs> shootout on <laughs> Wednesday night, man. I, ice in your veins, Asmir. Honestly, well, when it comes to saving them, you could save from uh, scoring them. No, no, that, that, that I need to work on. <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that one. Um, you know, my eldest, uh, my eldest boy, uh, who, as you know, is, is a keeper, and uh, it was a school night, was tucked up in bed, came downstairs because <laughs> he couldn't sleep, and, and <laughs> sure enough, the penalty shootout comes on, he's asked is it, so we watched it, and as you, as you were running up to take the kick, he, go, he just looked at me and he goes, he's going to smash it, <laughs> and yeah. he absolutely did smash it, I mean, it should have flowed uh, in the corner. I thought it was a great save, to be honest, that was a great save, to be honest, my only thought in my head, please just, just hit the target, whatever you do, hit the target, so... Yeah, fair. Um, thankfully, thankfully, Wayne Hennessy had a different idea um, after that, but it all worked out okay. All's well that ends well, right? And also, I hope you noticed I went Jeter clutch for you because you love the Yankees. I could have gone Eli clutch, but that would have just been very good. Yeah, Yankees Brady, well. Jeter, Aaron, anyone, anyone's fine. Any other good gang? All right. Uh, so, save some games for you to to get in to get your teeth into. Uh, and of course, starting with your, your New England Patriots, really fascinating game. Maybe the game of the weekend. I think it's fair to say against. The Seahawks. First things first, let's start with, with Cam. He was great against Miami, wasn't he? I mean, it was a, a, such a needed performance, I felt, in terms of not just his productivity, but everything he stood for. We're looking at this Patriots team, I'm getting carried away after one game, but looking at this Patriots team and already thinking there is a, a new identity with Cam. Yeah, well, 100%. I mean, um, I think when I was on your show last, I mean, this was a little while ago, we talked about what would, what would the Patriots be with, with Cam. And I think when you have Cam Newton and you have a healthy Cam Newton, then, of course, you're contending right away. I mean, you know, this is now a potential playoff team, whereas before you were looking at um, having a very difficult season ahead. So, you know, Cam Newton does bring that hope because he is, you know, one of the, the better quarterbacks in this league. And as you said, not just from what he brings on the field, I think off the field he's been, he's a presence. Obviously he was made a captain as well Yeah, uh, right away. So I think he's had an impact all around and, you know, I think he's, he's excited by this opportunity. He's excited to work with Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels. I think Josh McDaniels game plan was, was spot on to use Cam and his strength and just control the game. And I think that was a, what was the most impressive thing about the Patriots. I felt like they were in control of that whole game. Um, you never felt, 
like they were going to lose it or, or give it away. And um, fair play to everyone involved. I, I, it's uh, so many good points there. I mean, I think that the leadership one is really important because when the Patriots signed him, the, the critics, the, the skeptics were saying, well, is he washed up? Can he ever be the same player because of the injury? How will he fit in to uh, an offensive structure that is typically is used to playing with a very different style quarterback? Although I'd argue that in particular is a huge uh, advantage, actually. And as we're seeing that already a little bit, but it was the, the leadership. Of, and beyond that, I guess the sort of personality issue, right, that people say, He's too much of a showman. We've seen those press conferences in the past where he's been quite surly and moody. Uh, he, he loves, you know, he, he loves his clothes and, and he's leading by example, definitely with that this season. And, you know, to his supporters, uh, and I'm definitely one of them. I love that fact about that. He is a, a larger than life character in, in many respects. And I think that is only an advantage both as uh, for him as a player and as a quarterback, but also the, for the game to have, characters like him in the game but they, nevertheless the detractors are saying that's not a, the right fit with New England this isn't the, the New England way the Belichick way it's team first there was a moment in the game that I thought was a real riposte to all of those haters all those detractors anyway that were, were laying into Cam when he scored a second touchdown and gave the ball to David Andrews right the centre who'd missed all of yeah. last season um, and to me, Asbeth, that was just a, a, a move of real empathy and the move of a, a real leader that showed and just saw just how close this, this team looked already, or certainly the, the line and, and Cam together. And that's certainly a, a good place to start if you're a quarterback, getting the line on side. I thought that was a really telling moment. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I mean, I think you can really see what, what New England's all about. As you talk about it, it is the Patriots first. It is the team first kind of mentality. And I think actually... Cam is going to really embrace that because when we think back at his days with the Carolina Panthers, it was all about Cam. Cam this, Cam that. Cam, you know, throw up for 300 yards. Cam rush for three touchdowns. Cam save the franchise. And this is now where he's going to fit into a system. Um, they're going to work with him. He's got some really smart people around him. He's got some really good leaders around him, the likes of Matt Slater, Julie Edelman, David Andrews, these sort of guys that are going to be in there. Uh, controlling that locker room, controlling that atmosphere. And then he could just, just enjoy and play football. And not, not all the pressure, not everything is on camp to expect, you know, to expect him to save you know, the team in every single game. And I think that's obviously maybe what wore him down in Carolina, you know, mentally and physically. And for me, the only question mark you can ever have about Cam is can he, can he stay fit for this season? Because if, yeah. if he does, then, then he gives the Patriots a chance for sure. Uh, let's talk a bit about what you made of the, the, the difference in offense, right, which is inevitable. And, and clearly what he can add to the ground game, and he was the Patriots leading rusher uh, on the day, was uh, averaging five a carry, the two touchdowns on the ground as well. But he was pretty capable uh, and competent in the air, 15 of 19. Okay, it wasn't, you know, an out-of-the-park extraordinary afternoon, but it was solid and, and composed. Given, I guess, Brady's concerns last season with a lack of talent around him, and that's rolled into this season that you look at the receiving core and there isn't a huge amount that jumps off the page. Do you think that Cam's running ability will offset that significantly? In other words, just that very element of his game levels the capability of the offense much more than it would under a player like Stidham or even a, or even a player like Brady. Well, a hundred percent, you know, as much as I love Tom Brady, um, Tom Brady is very much a, almost a, a one-dimensional quarterback, you know, he knows, he, you know, that he can obviously be only with his arm and, you know, you don't have to worry too much about his legs um, and him running for, for too many yards, which is, 
just a fact. And I think now with Cam Newton that this offense actually becomes a lot more dynamic. Um, as you said, that the actual playmakers and weapons that he has haven't changed too much. Um, you know, and I think that's also good for Cam because the system is what's, what's important to him. You know, he, he can be efficient. He doesn't have to throw for 30-plus times. He can throw his 20-odd throws a game or so, and then he can be very efficient with those. And now, you know, you have a decent running game, you know, Sonny, Sonny Michel, Damian Harris, and those boys leading that this year. And then, of course, you have Cam with his feet. So I think this adds an extra dimension, um, you know, to the Patriots' offense, and it makes them a little bit more dangerous and dynamic. Now, I don't think – we have to be honest, you know, the Patriots are not going to be a top – top five offense in this league. We, we know that. Um, there just isn't that sort of playmaking ability. But can they be an efficient offense? Can they give teams different looks? And can they keep, catch them off guard a couple times here and there? That's what they'll try and do. And I think, you know, week one was a really good example of that. Big time. And, and as you said, they don't need to be a top six offense with this defense, which we figured would be competitive again, and, and particularly the secondary. So, so bringing this back to the Seahawks game, because it is a, obviously a tough ask given – I think a lot of people were, uh, were, were up on the Seahawks going into the season, and that's only been accentuated by what we've seen in, in week one. Inevitably, right? You know, New Orleans were fine, but they were spluttering a bit. Tampa Bay will come on to uh, the 49ers were pretty abject week one. So when the other serious contenders in the NFC are not coming out of the traps blazing, then everybody, everybody's raving about the Seahawks, and, you know, they're going to they're gonna go all the way. But they are uh, going to be a strong team. Uh, because of the balance there with Russell Wilson, virtually anything seems to be possible offensively. The strengthening of the secondary uh, is just adding that steel again. Uh, it's a really interesting team uh, and really interesting matchup. What do you think that the Seahawks will do in terms of their offense? Because over the last couple of years, they've been a run first team, right? That they've led with the run, but that changed against uh, Atlanta in uh, week one. Will they stick to their game plan of the last couple of seasons, go back to the ground more because of the Patriots secondary? Or do you think uh, they will stick to what they did in week one and air the ball out a little bit more? Yeah, well, I, I think they'll probably stick to a little bit of week one, to be honest, because uh, this seems like a little bit more of a new look um, Seahawks offense. I think, I think as... I think as you, as you look at the Seahawks, the, the one thing that was probably missing before was that just a little bit of freedom, that big play potential in, in that offense. You said always been run first, and which always baffled me a little bit because you're probably, you know, if not the best, but at least the second best quarterback in the league, in my, in my opinion. So why not use them more and actually gain a bit of advantage in games? Because what Russell Wilson used to have to do is always save the Seahawks. He was a savior. He was running for his life. He was coming you know, leading all the comebacks in, in games. And, you know, that, that's fine. I think that only takes you a certain, to, a certain, to a certain limit, to a certain extent. But I think now if you can free Russell Wilson up a little bit and give him a little bit more mojo and get him going, then obviously you become a very, very dangerous team. So uh, it seems to be something that the Seahawks will try and do. It'll be a little bit more aggressive, be a little bit more free on offense. And obviously it worked incredibly well in the first week. Yeah, 35 uh, attempts, 31 of them completed by Wilson. So it was a, an extraordinary strong performance leading off the bat. All right then, so which way is this one going to go? Can you see the, the Patriots keeping it competitive or do you think it'll be fairly straightforward for the Seahawks? But that isn't going to raise too many alarm bells in terms of the long-term trajectory of New England this season. This is a game they looked at the start of the season, never really expected to win. So which way do you see it playing out? 
Well, I, I think any game the Patriots going to expect it to be competitive. Um, you know, they'll try and maybe take away Russell Wilson or take away that passing threat. They'll try and, as, as always, try and take that biggest advantage away from the, the other team and their opponents. So the Patriots are going to be competitive. And I think that's why that week one win was so important because mm. you go to Seattle and, you know, looking at Seattle this year and, 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 and the Patriots schedule, this is going to be as tough of, of an away game, a road game as you're going to get. So, as you say, I don't expect the Patriots to win this one. I do expect them to be competitive as always. Um, you wouldn't expect Bill Belichick to go in any game and hand anything over. So I think it's going to be um, a difficult one for the Seahawks, but I do see them pulling it out. You're picking Seahawks. I am as well. I do, uh, I do think, as you, as you rightly say, uh, they're not going to run away with it, but I, I, I like the matchups here. I, I think uh, what they demonstrated uh, last week in the air means they will test even this uh, you know, superb Patriots secondary. They'll get the ground game going more effective than they did week one. They'll go to it more, I think, as well. And that mix and match, I, I think, will be too much. Incidentally, uh, did you see that great clip doing the rounds of uh, the reporter asking Belichick quite a long-winded question about what was different about playing in front of <laughs> fans? Do you see that, not playing in front of fans? Yeah, well, listen, oh. I, I, you wouldn't expect Bill Belichick to answer in any other way, but just keep it short and sweet. So Amazing. Uh, Seek that out. We'll push it out on our channels at the <laughs> NC Show. It is vintage Belichick. Uh, you're going to love him. All right, let's move on to uh, something else very close to your heart. Uh, Tom Brady, and as you, uh, I think, exclusively revealed on this show, when Brady had, uh, when Brady had moved to the Bucks and, and you were on pretty soon afterwards, you bought... Uh, you admitted you bought a Brady Buck shirt within hours. Of did I? Did I own one? So I'm not going to admit to that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's already in the closet. Is it in the cupboard? <laughs> what? Uh, what? What were you? Look, we're talking about overreactions, and um, and one of the biggest, I think, was well, that's the end of this experiment, and the Bucks aren't really what we thought they were, and all of that nonsense. It, I think it, the criticism was was particularly unreasonable because most teams uh, offensively were at times lackluster at times disjointed in week one even the chiefs right who in the end it was pretty straightforward pretty plain sailing against the texans they you know this is week one this is week one where there haven't been any preseason games and a and a mixed up off season and i saw a lot in that game that i took as a as a positive if, if i was a bucks fan where did you rate brady or how did you rate brady's debut performance competitive performance for tampa no, listen, don't get me wrong. I think um, Tom Brady being who he is, he would have expected to go on to New Orleans and win that game. But, I don't, you know, I don't think it's as, it's as easy um, as that, you know, playing maybe the NFC, one of the NFC, NFC favorites for, for the Super Bowl. So to go on the road, no matter fans or no, no fans, I think it's very difficult, as you say. Um, one of the trends that we saw in week one of the NFL, and I think it was always going to happen, was any coach, quarterback, turnover, Turnover change. Um, those those teams are always going to struggle uh, with no preseason, no no time to really gel, no no time to get that chemistry going. They all struggle. I think five out of seven lost. I believe it was something like that. So right. that was always going to happen, and it was always going to take a little bit of time. And you can see that the, the, the Bucks they don't quite have that identity yet. You know, I think they're trying to identify exactly what they want to be first. And you know, Leonard Fournette coming on, you know, on board. I think he had five carries for five yards. I don't think exactly. that's gonna, I don't think that's going to last. Um, and I think they're going to get better as the weeks go on. So I think this will do them the world of good because they can actually analyze and and, and talk about. It. I don't think Mike Evans was 100 percent. I mean, right. for week two, there, him and Chris Godwin are looking questionable. So that that's never that's never ideal. Um, but ultimately, what pleased me about the Buccaneers was actually the defense. And I think uh, Todd Bowles 
to hold uh, the Saints to about 260 total yards, 15 third down attempts on one, um, 0 for 1 on, on fourth down attempts. Uh, that, that, that's a huge positive because you need that defense to keep the Patriots going over the first, you know, four or five weeks to get that offense, give them a bit of time to kind of get going and, and find their rhythm and understand what exactly they want to do. So uh, week two is already a big game. Carolina coming uh, to playing against the Carolina Panthers. I think that's that's sort of a bounce back game for them. They're going to look to obviously improve a lot. And and I think week one gave them a lot of material to learn from. And I think that that's important going forward. I think Tom Brady will be fine. I think he's got some amazing weapons. The one I, I thought was a little bit sluggish was uh, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you what you made of that because yeah. Gronk was... Yeah. I mean, anonymous really in the, in that game, and again, you could probably chalk that up to to logic. He's been out for so long; it's yeah. an environment, so we don't want to get carried away. But there is a, there is a concern, isn't there, that uh, given the level Gronk was playing at as he retired, you know, he uh, was still capable of of a game changing play, but he was a long way away from the player in his prime. Now, I guess we're going to look at this two ways. Does is the time away from the game, has he re-upped his energy? Has he, has that bought him a whole new lease of life or actually has he, has he jumped the shark and, and we'll never see the same Gronk again. And maybe if it is the latter, that isn't necessarily a bad thing for the reasons you just said, that offense that is stacked, right? I mean, Fournette, the latest addition, Ronald Jones looks very uh, strong to me. I think a really good running game there. Evans and Godwin, as you rightly say, Evans's injury, I think affected quite a lot. Um, in the game last week and they're, they're two of the best in the business OJ Howard in the mix as well I mean this is one of the most stacked collections offensively out there so if Gronk is a bit part player that's okay isn't it it is okay um, as long as he's okay with that and again you know what's what's his identity what's his priority I mean is he going to be more of a blocking tight end as, a, as more of a safety blanket for Tom and, um, and uh, one of the great you know characters and leaders to be around or is he or you look for him to make big plays. So I think if you can identify his role and, and iron these things out, then I think it's going to help these guys. And as you say, they've got they've got weapons all over the place. But sometimes you don't want to have too too many guys that are that are lost a little bit in their roles. I think you still have to really be be nailed on as to what you expect from these guys uh, week in and week out. What do you make of of Brady airing it out a bit? And because that was one of the concerns, I think, going into this situation is that the, the type of offense Arians likes. To run and, and I think there's a really important point here that Arians, not dissimilar to Sean Payton having to get by with Michael Thomas for the next few weeks or Drew Brees for four or five games last season, somebody like that is going to work it out or find a way to get it done. And Arians is the same kind of guy. He's a brilliant mind. They will find a way to acclimatize or elaborate to acclimatize and, and, and adapt an offense to an extent around him as much as anything else. But Nevertheless, I don't, didn't see a huge amount of concern with the deep ball for Brady. I don't think this idea that his arm is gone and he can't throw the deep ball, to me, that doesn't stack up. What do you think? No, I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think from a physical point of view, um, Tom Brady looks, looks, looks spot on. I think if he can feel more comfortable, I think that was the only that, – that's the main thing I had from him week one. I think he looked a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, he didn't look in the, in the pocket. The usual Tom Brady had those a couple moves, and I think the offense was just a little bit – all over the place. And, and, and for veterans, it doesn't take a lot. But even I know for myself in my game, I don't need four preseason games to get me ready. I might need just one or a couple 45 minutes. But they still need the live reps. And it's one thing having live reps against your own defense in, in, in scrimmages. But it's another thing playing Marshall Lattimore and those boys and Ma- Malcolm Jenkins because they're, 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 that's a different kettle of fish. And I think 
not having those live reps with new new receivers, no matter how good they are, um, it does take a little bit of time. And that's why I thought that week one, um, a loss or just material and, and, and helped them a lot because they'll just get to know each other better. You know, they'll get the tendencies out right. And, you know, as even the, everyone said, Bruce Arians, they had a couple of bad decisions. He, maybe he thought he was going to go left or right. So the, these, these yeah. are kind of things that, they're gonna, that are going to get ironed out with time. And there's just no no way of putting that in place without the game practice. You know, I heard the guys on, mentioning Arians and, and what he was saying, I heard the guys on uh, Pro Football Focus, um, or Pro Football Talk, I should say, the, you know, the Florio and Sims show, um, talking about Arians, the fact that he's one of those head coaches that is not afraid to call any player out, and not necessarily in a, in a showy, uh, pass the buck kind of fashion, but, but he, he, he won't protect anyone because of their status if he wants to stay facts and, and, and state the truth and they were making that point that Brady must have they must have had that conversation before he signed and said look Aaron said to him you know you come here I know you are the greatest quarterback in the history of the game but if I see something a certain way I'm going to call it because that that I thought was was a fascinating side note to the game and the performance that uh that it was um unsurprisingly from Arians uh, very transparent and, and uh, you know unequivocal uh, perception coming through. So interesting how that dynamic plays out. But I'm with you uh, on this. I think the, the the balance there, the defense looked good. Clearly, this offense is going to start to gel at some point. And and the Bucks, I think, are as advertised. I think they get their show on the road against Carolina. This is a defense that Pro Football Focus ranks as 30 out of 32 uh, in week one uh, using that EPA metric. It is not a strong D. They don't have enough weapons. Uh, I know people are quite big on Anderson, but look, McCaffrey's going to hurt you, but it is not a, a fair fight there. So I think the Bucks should win this comfortably, although I can see that the Carolina putting up some points on them. So it might be another over game that uh, the Saints-Bucks is over as well. So I'm picking Tampa Bay. Which way are you going? Yeah, no, I'm going to pick Tampa Bay. Listen, I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders had their way with with the Panthers, and um, you know, I'm not sure the, the the Raiders are the best offense in the league. So, um, you know, this this is a chance to get some points on the board, get rid of that confidence going, get those relationships built, and um, I definitely see the Buccaneers bouncing back and going to one and one. Wait, Brady five touchdowns and he's suddenly MVP uh, <laughs> uh, conversation week two. I guarantee. It. All right, two more for you. Uh, let's stay the AFC East because it is, of course, a division that we both keep a close eye on. Uh, the Miami Dolphins taking on. The Bills, did the Finns play the Patriots? I know the scoreline was, it felt quite one-sided. But did you think the Finns played the Patriots perhaps harder than the score suggested? Are there calls for Tua yet? No, it's Tua in <laughs> There are, unbelievably, there are. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's one week. That was only a matter of time. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, division games are always tough. I mean, the, the, the Patriots and Dolphins always go at it. So, you know, I think uh, the Dolphins gave the Patriots a good game. But I think... Bill Belichick, everyone, um, you know, had another masterpiece of a game plan. And you don't play the Patriots every single week. So I think the Dolphins gave, gave it a good go um, with, with what they have. You know, I think the mm-hmm. Dolphins are improving. I think they, they had some really good signs, positive signs, signs towards the end of last season. But listen, we, they're still in a rebuild. Um, so let's not get, we can't get carried away with the Dolphins and what we think they might be when they're not. And the Bills still the favorites for the division? Because last time we spoke, you thought they were. Yeah, I, I still think they are. I still think they are. I think the Patriots will compete for that wild card. Um, but the Bills, I mean, listen, you, you saw it in week one. Um, one of the things with Sean McDermott, I mean, what a, what a coach he is. You know, their coaching staff, 
you don't see many coaching staffs really understand the limitations of their team and, and, and progressing quickly. They're, they've taken Josh Allen nice, you know, in a nice steady progression. Um, they don't ask too much of him. They just want him to get better, add a little bits and pieces to him each and every year and, every, you know, every few games or so. And I think that's been what's been impressive with the Bills. They're such a well-coached, disciplined team. Um, nice, you know, a couple of obviously weapons with, you know, Stefan Diggs and stuff. But, you know, the Bills are a real team, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, they are uh, the complete package. We thought they were going to kick on from what they'd achieved last season. And, uh, and so far, I think they have. And I think Alan will as well. Still got his detractors. I mean, it was interesting doing you know, the live radio show and, and monitoring the social media buzz about Alan. Even actually some of the guys in the studios we were talking were divided, I think, about Alan. He seems to be that polarizing kind of player, doesn't he? Is he? And it always comes down to... The, the question is this player good enough to, to win you a Super Bowl or is your team good enough to win the Super Bowl with this guy as a quarterback and I think the answer with Alan is yeah even now even early on in his career I don't think he is gonna um, be able to affect games to the degree consistently uh, and certainly isn't a, a, the complete kind of player in the same way that Mahomes or, or Lamar uh, or Russell Wilson of course he's not he's not in that category but is he in the quite broad middle pack of quarterbacks in the NFL that does have game-changing ability. And it isn't just with his legs, although that is a big part of what he offers. I think he is better than the detractors say. Uh, and I think the Bills are serious contenders. I think they get the win against the Finns this weekend to uh, improve to 2-0. and You picking Miami or, or the Bills for this one? I'm going to pick the Bills. I'm going to pick the Bills. I, I'm really high on the Bills. I really like them. I think Josh Allen... Um, you know, that's what I keep going back. Like the, that, that franchise, that coaching staff, they know his limitations at the moment. He's still a young quarterback who's growing. But what I love about Josh Allen, he's making steps in the right direction. You know, I look at some of the other young ones, especially in that draft class, you know, okay, you take Lamar Jackson out of it. But everyone else isn't showing any progression. Anyone else, all the other guys maybe are showing signs of things going the wrong way. So when you look at Josh Allen, I think he's progressing. He's with that team. They were a playoff team last year. You know, if he can improve with it, with his weapons and that team can improve again, then, you know, it, it's it's a serious contender, and especially for the AFC. And then, and then, as you say, maybe maybe even the Super Bowl. You know, when Bev was on earlier, we were posing a few, who would you take as your quarterback questions if you had a franchise? Uh, and one of them was Goff and, and, and Garoppolo out of those two, and I think Trubisky and, and those two are in the mix as well. So let's throw those three. So Goff, Garoppolo, Trubisky, and then Josh Allen. Asmir Begovic's franchise begins tomorrow. And obviously, Brady would be your first choice, but he's otherwise... So who are you going with out of those four? You, you could only pick one of those four to start your franchise. Who are you going with? Yeah, well, I'm, I'd go with someone like Jared Goff, to be honest. I, I, do, like, um, I do like the way he plays the game. Um, I know he has a really good offensive mind as Sean McVay and everything else around him. But, you know, he's, um, he's a really level-headed guy and I think someone again who manages the game well and and plays the game at a really high level I think with Jimmy G I, I, I just don't know you know I know he's been to a Super Bowl as well but um something that I think his ceiling I think his ceiling is almost he's almost at his ceiling I just you know I'm not sure how much better he can get and uh with Josh Allen he's still a bit young and raw whereas I do like the upside and of course MVP Mitch is uh <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a completely different. I, I don't know what to think. You know, I don't even know how he started, and then he then he, then he leads into a fourth quarter co uh, comeback. So I, I can't figure him out whatsoever. But um, you know, I, I think I do like golf. You know, I think he's when you look at his first few years in the league, I, know, I think he's the one 
that I would choose. That is, it's in all four of those, actually, you could put in the underrated category. I mean, underline that in red yeah. pen with, with, with Trubisky. Maybe he's, he's the least underrated there. But, you know, quarterbacks that... Uh, all four of those. And we might look at that. And I'll talk to, talk to Harry and Ollie. We'll put our thinking caps on and, and maybe look at an episode where we, where we deep dive into that collection of quarterbacks that is, you know, would you put Tannehill in there as well? That uh, The kind of underrated middle in the NFL and what the, what the power rankings are there. Uh, Patrick Mahomes certainly wouldn't be in that category. And uh, as we said earlier, started the season comfortably, if not um, altogether uh, in fifth gear. Uh, uh, no surprise there. Uh, but it was an easy win really against Houston. The scoreline, uh, flattering to deceive really Houston weren't, weren't ever in it uh, and, uh, and what should be another straightforward game for them this weekend Asmir against LA um, look if we talk about Buffalo re-upping with Diggs then Edwards Hilaire rolling in uh, to town uh, not at all concerned about there's no preseason that's going to affect rookies 138 yards uh, and a score uh, and of course they're going up against an LA side that is missing one of its strongest pieces in, in Derwin James. Having said that, this is an elite corner tandem they've got with, uh, with Harris and um, Casey Haywood. So it's not going to be plain sailing, uh, you would think, for Kansas City. But I can't see anything other than a, a straightforward Chiefs win in the end here, can we? No, I, I agree with you. Um, I agree with you with the Chiefs. Um, listen, I think they're, they're the best team. I mean, them and the Ravens are the clear-cut favorites in, in the AFC. Mm. Um, and the Chiefs... Um, we go, I go back to my point earlier, just such a settled team uh, returning, yeah. you know, the most starters, I think, out of a lot of the teams. That continuity is, is, is awesome. Um, having Mahomes and his future settled, Andy Reid is a play caller. Um, it just, just honestly fits really well. And the best thing I saw about Patrick Mahomes, you know, I, people, and you can see in his game sometimes, that's part of a young quarterback, you know, recklessness, bad decisions, and maybe going for too much. You know, I thought he was so efficient, so smart in that yeah. first week. You know, he didn't do anything, didn't do anything silly, didn't do anything too much. Just managed them to a really comfortable, good win against another good, good team in the Texans. You know, they're no, they're no mugs. You know, that's for sure. Um, but I, you know, I definitely love what the Chiefs are doing. Um, they've got so many different ways to beat you, and I think having all those weapons doesn't hurt. I think that the Chargers, I, I think they're just limited. You know, I, I love that team. I mean, they, they're stacked um, in some of the positions, especially in the D line. You know, they've got some really good receivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. These guys are studs. But listen, I mean, what what are our expectations with Tyrod Taylor as your quarterback? Um, you know, yeah. you have Cam Cam Newton out there, people like that. I, I I don't for the life of me understand how you think Tyrod Taylor is better than a Cam Newton. You know what? You know, you're going yeah. into a new stadium. You're LA. You're the Chargers. All this kind of stuff. You re up. Bosa, all these boys, everything else. Do you have that defense? And we're gonna go with Tyrod Taylor. Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. You know, I think he's a really good two. I think he's yeah. a great backup. You know, the, the model professional you see in Hard Knocks. He's in at five yeah. a.m. in the morning. Just a guy I would pay, you know, really good money just to have around the place and leadership. But on the field. With these weapons, I, I, I don't, you know, you know, it's a steady Eddie. But if you want to take that next step and be the Chargers and really compete with the Chiefs, then you need a big playmaker quarterback. I, I, it's a really interesting point because, and Cam in particular, when you, when you compare it that way, because you look at the, you know, the Anthony Lynn offense, and that's the, the argument for Tyrod is that he, he fits it, right? The, the, the style of quarterback that he is fits well there. I mean, he completed less than 50% of his passes week one. So it was a bad day at the office this was against the Bengals by the way yes fair so you know it was um 
certainly not the, the strongest of starts. But maybe, I mean, the Newton thing is intriguing because I agree because he, in, in, in a similar fashion, would fit that style of offense particularly well. And he was available, right? And he has that wattage, that star uh, power that, that the franchise absolutely needs because they are suffering from the move to LA. They don't have the fan base that any other team in the NFL seemingly has. And, uh, and that would have made sense in all... Uh, in every capacity, not least as well, if their game plan was always to draft one of the quarterbacks and they, they, they obviously took Herbert, then there's this bridge quarterback. Look at the, what was Cam sign a short-term deal with the, with New England, right? So it, it doesn't make sense. I hear you. Uh, and I, I, like we, you were saying, with when are the Dolphins fans going to clamor for Tua, Tua, Tua? Well, there already are some of them. Same thing with the Chargers fans. Let's get Justin Herbert in straight away, which would be a crazy, crazy decision, I think, to drop him in week two, week three. Let him, because Tyrod's such a pro, let him sit down. They're not gonna, they were never going to make the playoffs this year. So let him sit and learn, take the pressure off him a bit and let him acclimatize. I, I just, this clamor to get quarterbacks in as soon as possible, it, 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 to me, is, it, it is madness a lot of the time. It can have such a detrimental effect if the timing isn't right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you could have exactly signed Cam Newton and and still draft Justin Herbert, no problem. And right. and develop him. You know, the Packers did it with Jordan Love. I mean, you yeah. still have Aaron Rodgers. You know, so there's no there's no rush on these guys. You know, these talents don't come around every every year. So if you have the possibility to draft them, and you know, the Chargers are set everywhere. I mean, that. I mean, when I look at their pieces, I honestly think that that, that needs to be a playoff team. Um, they should be a playoff team. You have. Two of the best receivers, Austin Eckler is, you know, he's he, he's a really good weapon to have. And then, of course, okay, you have you lose Derwin James on the defense, but you still have some really big playmakers all over the place there. So there's no reason why this team shouldn't be in the playoffs. It should, you know, be in the playoffs quite comfortably, I would say. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting limited quarterback play, um, it's it's not good. And then, you know, if you're going to throw in a rookie, then that brings his own risks. So... It's a tricky situation. I'm just really, really surprised the Chargers went that way because it just really limits their ceiling and, and what they can achieve, I think. Yeah, it's a, maybe I was too dismissive uh, of the Chargers. And you're right. I think there have been people that have been up on them. And uh, yeah, there's no doubt defensively they're stacked. And uh, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I've underestimated them. Uh, and look, maybe we've underestimated Tyrod. You never know. Uh, a couple of weeks. Maybe it's just because I love the Chargers uniform so much. Maybe I just <laughs> <laughs> Deep diving size. They're pretty cool, by the way. They're they very cool. They're very on the on the uniform power rankings. They're definitely top five. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, hey, listen. So we're, I guess we're <laughs> just to draw uh, complete the circle. That we're both going Kansas City. I'm guessing on that one. No upset. We'll yeah, we'll go with the Chiefs. <laughs> go with the Chiefs. Go with the Chargers. Hey, uh, all right. Well, those three done and dusted. Um, and thank you for that insight, Asbe. It's always good to catch up. Before we let you go. Uh, talk us through what you're up to because uh, the foundation rolling on, the goalkeeping school rolling on. Uh, I got to get myself some um, some AB gloves for my five-a-side team because uh, they you, look easy to up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a on my Christmas list. That'll go uh, that'll go to the missus to get a to get a pair uh, lined up. So tell us all about all about all the things you're up to right now. Hey, listen, uh, always thanks for having me on your show. It, it, it's a blast. But I'm uh, you know things are things are good. Um, Right now, my, my, full, my sole focus is, is, is on football. You know, um, got back into training a couple of weeks ago. Uh, season started, national team uh, last week. Um, so really, really, you know, busy, busy with that. Uh, my academies have started working. We've opened up a third location in Germany. So they're doing their thing. And then, of course, the glove business. You say that our goalkeeping brand is, 
is growing all the time. Maybe one GK has actually been a lot of fun because it's it's my passion, it's my life. And then, you know, to have so many people interested in the product and and helping the brand grow has been has been incredible. So you know, we're doing a lot of good things. Uh, I'm still going to try and do the pod this year. Taking a little bit of a break at the moment just because. I can't get around to doing uh, everything that I want to. Um, and the foundation due to COVID this year has been, you know, trying to do a lot of different things behind the scenes. You know, we haven't been as active as, as we'd have liked and having fundraisers, but um, we're still trying to help as many causes as we can behind the scenes and donating where we need. And what we see, you know, where we see it's important to donate to. So, you know, lots of things going on as always, but, um, you know, football is back and that's a good thing. And of course, you know, just busy with my day job and uh, trying to do my best every single day. Man, the hardest working man in sports. Uh, Asmir Begovic, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, man. As we said, I think I think it was off off mic as we were getting ready to go. It is so good to be talking football with you again. It's great Certainly. to have you back. Yeah. Come back and see us soon, yeah? Thank you, Nat. Appreciate it. Take care, bud. Great stuff from Asmir. By my reckoning, we got through every single game one way or another. I wonder whether our picks will be on the money. Well, some of the picks will be on the money. The question is, will it be me or our esteemed guests? Harry will not let me off the hook here. This could get ugly. Me versus guests. Uh, given my performance in the Daily Fantasy League last year, it's probably <laughs> this season's equivalent of that. We shall see. Anyway, we're back next week. Two more episodes coming your way. Terrific guests. We're going to be reviewing the week two action on our Monday episode. Dropping on Monday and then, of course, getting back uh, on Friday morning. First thing, for week three, the business of the NFL rattling along and we are right in the thick of it. We appreciate you coming along for the ride. We'll see you Monday. Enjoy the games. Bye for now, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.